You're tuned into the God Stories Radio Podcast. www.godstoriesradio.com And welcome, everyone, to God Stories Radio. This is Session 23. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. Mike, I'm just, uh, as usual, I'm always fired up at the beginning of these shows because uh, I know that someone out there is going to benefit from what we're doing tonight. Absolutely. Yep. So how's your week been, Mike? I'm going to ask you, how was your week? My week uh, was awesome. You know, uh, as I said in Session 22, um, anytime you get around... A couple of hundred brothers in motorcycles, things happen they in do. positive ways. They do. Actually, uh, glad that you asked that because one of my colleagues that I work with that manages a sister store loves bikes. I invited him out that night to uh, check out the bikes. Really didn't think he would show up. He did. And I had to run Aubrey home because um, she was meeting a friend. So I had just left, and he called me. He goes, where are you? And I said, well, I had just left. He goes, I'm up here looking at the bikes. A guy got a hold of him there, and I thought it was Ken McDermott that ended up talking to him because he said he had, uh, you know, he was ball-headed and whatnot. I ended up inviting him to Real Men. That is pretty cool how that works out. Now, he didn't come to Real Men, but he said he's going to, to come this week. Okay, cool. So that's pretty cool how that works out. Yeah, it is. All right. But we've got a very special guest tonight. We've got Trish. How are you doing, Trish? Good. How are you? Wonderful. I'm personally excited about having Trish here tonight because she uh, has a pretty prestigious radio background as far as I'm concerned. That's what I understand. Uh, yeah, number one uh, show in Washington, D.C., and I'm going to let her elaborate on that, but just really excited to have you, Trish. Thanks for coming by to share your testimony with us tonight. Thanks for having me. And uh, without further ado, we're just going to let you have it. Um, just take off. Okay. I don't know a whole lot about testimonies. I'm a pretty new Christian. I just got baptized, I guess, in 2011. I don't know. I'm just going to share my story, so to speak. Well, when I was, when I was younger, um, I guess I'll start with my thoughts on God. When I was nine years old, my father passed away. And um, I didn't believe in God at the time, but I saw my dad really sick in the hospital, and I asked him, I asked God, is he going to die? And God said, yes, he is. And I got really upset, and I said, if, if he dies, I'll never speak your name. I will spit when I hear your name. I will not raise my children to believe in you. I mean, I just had this, I just cussed God out as a nine-year-old would do, <laughs> if you could say that. When my father passed away, I just decided that that was it. I wasn't going to believe in God any, anymore. And um, believe it or not, I started drinking and doing a lot of drugs and that kind of thing. I've been in recovery now for 25 years, and I still go to 12-step meetings. When I was 
14, I dropped out of high school, and I had three months of ninth grade, and I always wanted to be in radio. When I was a little kid, you know, and people would say, what do you want to do when you grow up? I wanted to be in radio, because when I was little, um, it was like I always had a friend there that was the person on the radio. Um, Who was your hero growing up? Did you have one? Not a specific person, but just whoever was on the radio. I used to call. I was one of those kids that used to call and talk to the DJ on the air, and they always talked to me when I was a kid. They were always my friend. Um, I would sit in the closet and just listen to the radio, listen to the DJ on the radio, and I thought, that's what I want to do when I grow up. I want to be like that kid's friend. You know what I mean? When I got clean and sober... I had a sponsor. She said to me, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, well, you're going to laugh if I tell you. And she said, no, no, seriously, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be in radio. I want to be on the radio. And she said, okay, do you know how to go about that or what you do? And I, I had no idea. And she said, um, she's, she had me go through each step. She's like, okay, this week I want you to go home and find out what you have to do to be on the radio. So I'm like, okay. So I went home and I called up the local DJ and I asked him, like, what did you do? And, and they, they advised me to go to um, community college. So then I reported back to my sponsor. They said I should go to community college and take radio, television, and film. So then she says, okay, well, find out if Montgomery Community College has a radio, television, and film program. Okay, so I went back, you know, and every week she just led me through each thing. And I thought, wow, you know, if this is God's will, then it's going to happen the way it's supposed to happen. So I went from, I had a GED and no high school and now I'm trying to go to college to take radio, television, and film. And so I um, went and took the test. I did all these tests, and I scored so low that I had to take the pre-English, pre the pre-pre-math. But I took it, and I did it. And it was like classes that you take with no credits. And I did that. Then I took a production class. And I called the morning show producer one day. I'm sorry, not the morning show producer. I called the DJ on the air one day who happened to be the program director, but I didn't know he was a program director. I didn't know what a program director was. I had no idea that this person I was speaking to would be the person that would be the one that would do the hiring. But thank God I didn't know. So I wasn't intimidated because I had no idea who I was talking to. So I called up and I said I was doing a report because I was doing a report for a paper for school. And they somehow the receptionist thought that I worked for the Washington Post newspaper. And so she put me right through to the program director mm -hmm. and set up an interview for me. So I went in and I thought, you know, I'm so glad that this guy met with me and everything else. and. And he's like, so what paper do you work for? And I'm like, I don't work for a paper. I'm a college student. You know, I don't know where he thinks I'm 
writing for the paper. He's like, oh, they told me that you worked for the Washington Post and this and that. <laughs> and he said, he said, I said, oh, so you're not going to give me the interview. He said, I'll still give you the interview. I'll still give you the interview. And I said, okay. So I tape recorded the interview. And then um, when we were done with the interview, literally my hand was on the door to walk out of the studio. And he said, oh, by the way, if you're looking for a job in radio, this is who you would talk to. And he gave me this name. And so I'm like, okay, he wants me to talk to this guy. And he said, yeah, he's the assistant program director. And I'm like, okay, what if he doesn't want to hire me? He goes, I'm the program director. He's the assistant program director. He does what I tell him to do. <laughs> so, so the next thing you know, I'm only, I'm like 18 years old, high school dropout, and I'm, I'm working at a radio station. Like, I'm not on the air yet, but I'm working at a radio station, you know? So I started out doing research, and I was doing research for a while. This girl that worked there, also in research, it was um, her little brother's birthday. I used to do Bart Simpson imitations, and so she said, do me a favor and call my little brother and do a Bart Simpson imitation and tell him happy birthday. So I said, okay. So I called him up, and I'm doing this Bart Simpson imitation. Well, the assistant program director walks by, and he hears this Bart Simpson voice. And he comes in, and he's like, who's doing that? Who was that? And we thought we were going to get in trouble because we weren't working, and we were playing on the phone. And he says, no, it's great. I want to get you in the studio. Can you do that again? Can you say this? Can you say that? So next thing you know, I'm being whisked out of the office into the studio and I'm doing Bart Simpson imitations with this guy the fat doctor and they put us on the morning show after they put us on the morning show um, I start talking to this other guy there who's um, the producer no the director of the morning show and he says to me hey if you're looking for a job I have this position opening up producer of the morning show and I'm like, you know, so who do I talk to to get the job? Who do I submit my resume to? And he goes, I'm the director. That would be me. <laughs> so like 19 years old and I just fell into this position, you know. I remember going into the studio and I ended up doing a more, uh, not a morning, I did the morning show as producer, but then I also ended up on the air, which was, that was my goal, was to be on the air. And one night I was in the studio and I was looking out over the, the uh, what do you call the city? The skyline. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was in the studio and I was looking over the Washington skyline and I remember thinking, I have arrived. 19 years old, producing the, you know, producing the morning show in a top 10 market, Washington, D.C., and this voice said to me, there's something more. There's something more I want you to do. And I'm like, what? And it, I think it was God. You know, God was saying to me, there's something else that I want you to do. Now that I've given you your heart's desire, now you're going to do something to glorify me. And I was like, okay. And I saw this, I saw myself in a robe, in a black robe. And I was like, a judge? Really? Really, God? I'm a high school dropout. Like, how does that happen? <laughs> so, 
kind of sounds like you, Mikey. Oh, it sure does. Well, I didn't. I was in a high school dropout, but uh, I so far I went to I uh, did two sessions of college uh, uh, semesters uh, last year. Uh, just as she said, the prerequisites because I didn't make the uh, the testing that they gave, and then funding ended. So that was it. It was done. <laughs> yeah. So Mike kind of bears witness with you on that. So far. I had to learn, just like I did to get into radio, I had to figure out what does a person do, because God told me I'm supposed to be a judge. So I had to go back and figure out how does a judge become a judge? What do they have to do? And I found out that they have to go to law school, that most judges were previously lawyers. And so how do you have to become a lawyer? You have to go to law school. And how do you go to law school? No one in my family had ever been to college. My mom, I think, took a couple of night courses. But I don't come from a family where, you know, everybody went to college and all of that. So I didn't understand. So I had to go and figure out, okay, what do I have to do to go to law school? I have to get a bachelor's degree. I have to get a four-year degree. What do I do to get a four-year degree? Well, you know, I had started at community college. Now I need a four-year degree because after I go with the four-year degree, then I have to go to law school. Then I have to become an attorney for about 10 years. Then I become a judge. That's the pattern, the path to get there. But I had to make all those connections because God just gave me this vision. You know, I didn't know how to get there. And so um, I was like, okay, God, I'm going to humor this, and I'm going to run with it. And I applied for this um, scholarship. The next thing you know, I got a full scholarship to the University of Maryland. And, you know, here I'm this high school dropout, three months of ninth grade, and I got a full scholarship. So I started, um, I got out of radio, and I started going to school so that I could eventually go to law school and become a judge. And now I'm still, I'm two classes away from my bachelor's degree. And then I'm supposed to sit for the law school admittance test, the LSAT. That's part of the pathway. So you have to sit for the law school admittance test. And I'm going to sit for that in June. And then um, working on getting a full scholarship to law school right now. So. Now, I heard that correctly. You said high school dropout and three months of ninth grade? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I heard that correctly. <laughs> That's unreal. It's mm-hmm. unreal. And a thought went through my mind that if uh, God opened those doors for you in uh, radio, look for doors to open as you continue to obey and uh, go through uh, law school. I know I keep saying, God, really? I mean, am I really going to be able to do this? And every time I question it, something more comes in my path. Like, for example, I met this woman a couple of days ago who's completely blind. She has a master's degree in social work, and the same people that paid for her graduate degree is who I'm looking to pay for my graduate degree. What are the odds of that? It's not a coincidence. So I'm really excited because so far, every time I think, like, I have a three-year-old daughter at home. How am I going to go to law school? How am I going to sit for the law school admittance test when I have a three-year-old at home? Who's going to watch her while I go take the courses? Because you have to take a prep course before you take 
the LSAT. God's like, I got this, you know, and and I talked to a girlfriend and she's like, one way or another, we'll work it out. Whatever needs to happen, we'll work it out. I'll watch your three-year-old. You go take the course every Saturday, four to five Saturdays in a row. I'll watch your daughter. We'll work it out. Every time I think that I'm out of gas, I'm at the end of of that path that I think I'm supposed to be on, God takes that whatever that hurdle is helps me over that hurdle each time so one of the things that god put on my heart to talk about was um something that i went through um when i was saying that like i have a three-year-old daughter she's um almost four it took me four pregnancies to get her and she's my miracle baby girl as the doctors say, you ha- I had four pregnancies with zero live births. That's how they would state it. I have four pregnancies, zero live births, because I had three miscarriages. The last one was the toughest. It was a blighted ovum pregnancy, which is um, equivalent to there's a house there, there's a food there, but no one's home. So the sac is there, the placenta is there, but there's no baby. So your stomach still grows like you're pregnant. Everything is like you're pregnant. So I was three and a half months. They were trying to find a heartbeat and they couldn't find a heartbeat. They showed me the sac and they said, right there is where the baby should be and the baby's not there. So you're not pregnant. You're pregnant, but you're not pregnant, Mm -hmm. which is I know your parents always tell you either you're pregnant or you're not. It's one of those things. But I was pregnant and not pregnant at the same time. So the the sac that houses the fetus, I guess, still grows? Yes. As if it were there. Yes, as if it were there. So you're experiencing nine months of pregnancy. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I'm trying to wrap my head around that, and I just couldn't it was imagine pretty what crazy <laughs> how that would feel. Well, my here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, this is kind of crazy. Um, and before I came, I thought, what am I going to guard and not say? I don't want to say things because I know once you put things out there in the internet, it's there forever. But God told me, I will protect you. I will not forsake you. You be honest and you tell your story. And I will honor that, you know, he'll honor that. I will tell you that I was not pregnant, or I was not pregnant, I was not married for three out of four of those pregnancies. I was not married. And I was not married when I was pregnant with this blighted ovum pregnancy. I actually got pregnant on Christmas Day. I got pregnant on Christmas Day with this blighted ovum pregnancy. And so when I was engaged, but I wasn't married, when we found out that I was pregnant, we were going to get married. But then it was a blighted ovum pregnancy. So I cried one night. I mean, I wept and wept and cried. And God told me, if you put me first, If you honor me and you put me first, I will give you a child. I will give you the desires of your heart and you're going to have a baby girl. And I said, all right, God, if you do that, I'll name her Grace because it'll be by your grace that you will grace me with her presence 
in this life because I wanted nothing more than to be a mother, nothing more. I told my husband, my fiance at the time, okay, so do you want to get married May the 21st or do you want to get married May the 15th? Because we're getting married because God told me that if we get married and we put God first, he's going to honor that and he's going to give us that baby that we want because we were both so devastated with this blighted ovum pregnancy. So we got married that May 21st and I got pregnant and it was very guarded pregnancy because I had had the three miscarriages already. I was on bed rest for two out of the three trimesters. So I was on bed rest, then not on bed rest, then back on bed rest. And this little baby girl was growing inside of me and everything, you know, I was 40 years old having a baby, first off. So I had to go to the geneticists or whatever that do all the testing and they had to do all this testing. And my husband is also older and so it's not just a matter of me being older and so the egg is older, but the sperm is older too. So they had to do more testing because we're both old old farts having baby <laughs> having a baby. <laughs> so the geneticist so 40's not the new thirty when it comes to uh, sperm count, I guess what you're saying. <laughs> no. They they gotta do all kinds they put us through the ringer. They did all kinds of testing and they said, um, they called and I remember sitting down to taking the call to tell us how things were because that was one thing they kept offering all these different tests while you're pregnant and I finally got to a point where I said look if I have those tests am I risking a miscarriage am I risking losing this baby yes there's a small chance but there is a chance that you're gonna lose this baby so are you testing me because because you're gonna have someone different at the delivery that would otherwise not be there? Or are you, you know, are you testing me because you wanna give me the option to have an abortion? Or why are you, why are you testing me? I had to constantly ask that because I, I didn't wanna risk losing this baby, no matter what. Mm -hmm. And I don't, personally, I don't believe in abortion. So no matter what I had, that's what I was gonna get, you know what I mean? And it's so funny because we had the ultrasound and we saw a leg. And so people were like, oh, your ultrasound, how did it go, how did it go? And I'm like, we saw her leg, she has a leg. And they're like, well, I hope she has two. I'm like, I don't care, she's got a leg. You know, she's got a leg. I was so excited. People don't realize what a big deal that is. Though it's you're on the fourth go around, so to speak. Really? Right, right, right. It's a big deal. Right. It was a leg. It was a big deal. <laughs> right. Because there. remember the last pregnancy, we didn't see that was the problem. We didn't see anything. Mm -hmm. So we saw a leg. We saw a leg. That was exciting. Exactly. What's amazing me throughout this whole testimony, what I've heard so far is that you have had intimate communication with the father. Right. Even uh, at a young age of, of, of 18 or 17. Nine. Nine. Oh, nine. Yeah. Nine uh, was the apologize. first time. Yeah. I missed that part. And I wasn't raised in a church either. That's, that's part of it is that you hear 
I think that you hear God speak, and when you're raised in a church and you're raised in a religion, you think you know what God is supposed to sound like, so you second guess when you hear God speak. I don't know if that makes sense. It oh, it makes perfect sense yes, to us. Because I wasn't raised in a church. So if I wasn't raised in a church and I hear a voice speaking to me and I'm not crazy, then what other voice is that? You know what I mean? Anyway, so for nine months I was very guarded with this pregnancy. God had told me that I was going to have a baby girl and so when they did the checking and it was a baby girl, I was like, okay, this is the one that's gonna make it because God told me I was gonna have a baby girl. It's not a boy, it's a girl, just like he told me. So her middle name is Grace, because I told God, if you give me a baby, I'll be happy, but if you give me a baby and it's a girl, because God said I'm gonna give you a baby and it's gonna be a girl, and I said, then I'll name her Grace so everyone will know, and so her middle name is Grace, and when she was born, she was perfect. She was, you know, here we were old farts having a baby. Mm. <laughs> I had had all those miscarriages and, you know, and God, you know, God led me through each step of it, each, each step. Like, I can tell you the first time that I heard her heartbeat, the first time I heard her heartbeat was the same Friday that was the due date of the plated ovum that I had lost so it was September I remember it was September and the baby's due date was September 25th and I went and I remember praying that morning and saying God of all the days that I need to hear this baby's heartbeat I need to hear this baby's heartbeat today because they said you're gonna come in and we might hear a heartbeat or we might not because you're nine weeks so we might or we might not. And I told God, God, I, I need to hear that. I can't go through this again. Because I had already told my husband too, we're gonna try to have this baby that God says I'm gonna have, and this is the last try. I'm not trying anymore. I can't do this again. I can't do this again. Was this the same day that he spoke to you about, you know, if you do what I want you to do, that I'll give you a baby? Is, it, is this the same day? No. That was that was the day that she was conceived. Oh, okay. I was yeah, I was just trying to determine the significance of that particular day. That particular day was um we were married. Well, God had already told me that I was going to have a baby and that it was going to be a girl and that he would honor that if I got married. So I went and got married. Then I got pregnant. And God honored that with the baby. Gotcha. But I went and um, I remember praying that morning that I heard Caitlin Grace's heartbeat for the first time, saying, God, you know, this this morning is a hard morning because this is the due date of the other baby. So today is going to be a big day, and, you know, hopefully we'll hear the heartbeat. And darn if, and God told me you're going to hear the heartbeat because I'm giving you this baby. And darn if we didn't hear the heartbeat that first day. And we were so excited because each step of the way was a little bit further than I had had the pregnancy before. Each time God brought me through a little bit further and a little bit further, you know. And so when they did the tests, they did all these um, 
all these tests to see like how the baby was and and at one point they said are you sitting down and I said yeah I'm sitting down and the geneticist said I don't know how you managed to do this but not only are you carrying a healthy baby you are carrying the baby of a 21 year old I said what do you mean she said the testing that we've done your baby is that of a 21 year old not a 40 year old not a 40 year old woman and definitely not a 45 year old man somehow this baby you're carrying is that of a 21 year old I don't know how else to explain that to you and I said it's a God thing I don't know how else to explain that to you but it's a God thing God told me I'm gonna have this baby and so I had her at um, because I was a high risk pregnancy because I had had four I had I had four previous three previous miscarriages I was over the age of 35 I had a head injury in 2001 that caused seizures so I had seizures all these any one of these things made me a high-risk pregnancy so I had seizures I was on seizure medication while I was pregnant so all odds were against me having this baby you know I planned on having her at Winnie Palmer because I knew if something happened and I had a seizure or whatever you know all the specialists would be there everybody would be there when I had her everything was perfect she was even she was eight pounds and three ounces which is like the national average of a normal baby like everything about her was like quote-unquote normal all the way through but it like I said that of a 21 year old's baby would be so hey when God gives it to you mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he adds bonus he, years to yeah, he does he graces it for sure so one of the other things that I wanted to talk about was about um, something that's kind of hard for me to talk about. I, I had depression before I had this baby. I had depression. I think that I had depression way back when I started drinking and doing drugs and all of that. I think you know I had the depression way back even then. When I was 20, I was actually diagnosed with depression. They put me on medication, Prozac. I had been in the hospital and basically they said if you don't want to go to the hospital again you take this medication you won't go back to the hospital so I took the medication and I didn't end up back in the hospital one thing that no one told me was that because I had depression I was predisposed to have postpartum depression after having this baby no one told me about that I had never heard of that before. Um, I mean, I guess I had heard I had heard that Brooke Shields had postpartum depression severely, but for some reason I didn't think that that was going to be a problem for me because I was on medication and the medication always worked, you know. So when I had this baby and I had depression and I took the medicine and the medicine wasn't working, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. I went to the doctors um, once a month to once every three months for three years and two months while I was on medication 
where they were switching me from this medication to that medication to this one and that one and that one and that one and that one. And so it wasn't that I wasn't trying to get out of this depression, but it's like no matter what they did, nothing was bringing me out of this depression. Finally, you know, my doctor, praise God, my doctor never gave up on me. And I thanked her. When I finally pulled out, I said, thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for not giving up on me. And she said, thank you for being one of my favorite patients. <laughs> but I went through this severe depression for three years and two months. And finally, they got the medication right. I pulled through, and it was literally like a light, like a light switch. Like, I remember the day that I pulled out of it. I was driving in the car, and I was listening to Z88.3, which is Christian music. I pulled into a parking spot because I was so moved, I guess, by where I had been and where I had come. I didn't even realize. I didn't realize how depressed I was until I pulled out of it. I went and had communion every week, and every week I would pray, God, thank you for getting me through this week. Please, God, please, God, for my daughter's sake, get me through another week. I prayed that prayer every week for three years and two months. And I didn't even realize that I was as hopeless as I was until I finally became hopeful again. And I remember sitting in the car and that weight, those chains lifting from me and just saying, wow, God, wow, thank you. Praise God, praise God. And I, I even, I called a friend. That was the first time I ever heard of a testimony because I called a girlfriend and she said, oh honey, I'm so excited for you. You have a testimony now. And I said, a testimony, what's that? What's a testimony? And she said, um, I said, oh, you mean, it's like my story because I go to 12-step program and there it's your story. And she's like, yes, now you have a story. You know, God pulled you through this and I said, Oh my gosh, you know, what a difference, what a difference it is. I remember that day because I remember how long had I been in that depression for three years and two months, you know? So it hasn't been, it hasn't been a whole long time since I've had that light switch come on. But since then, I'm back in school, I'm back on track. It's only been about, I want to say, seven or eight months that I've been out of that depression and I'm back in school. God told me to apply for this scholarship. I got the scholarship to finish my bachelor's. Um, I just found out like last week that they're going to help me finish my bachelor's and now possibly even cover me for law school. So now I'm working on going back to school, getting my bachelor's. This is something that I had put off um, back in 2007. I put off getting my bachelor's, stopped following that goal of going to law school, becoming a judge, all that. You know, I put it all on the back burner. God told me, no, you, you get right back on track again, you know. I'm going to make a way for you. I'm still there, you know. I'm still there, and you're still supposed to do this and I haven't given up on you yet. You're still supposed to do this. And so every time I think that I'm supposed to be 
doing something else or or there's a hurdle in front of me god gets me over the hurdle each time you know like when i met that woman a couple days ago who's completely blind and the same people that i'm trying to get to pay for my law school paid for her graduate degree and she sat down and talked god put her in my life she sat and talked to me for three hours yesterday and said step by step this is what i did this is what you need this is how you do it this is who you talk to here's some phone numbers here's what you do here's what you say here's what you write she told me and every time it was kind of like her like she'd stop every now and then and say you understand that right you understand what i'm saying right and she'd be like let me tell you again this is what you do this is what you say this is who you talk to for three hours three hours i just sat she was like this gold mine that god put right in front of me and i just was digging at this gold mine getting little nuggets of gold getting big nuggets of gold you know <laughs> that's funny too because you shared with us before the program how you didn't want to sit at that table yeah you didn't yeah just just share real briefly about that oh oh it was funny because um what happened is there's um i don't know i don't know how to be a mom i'm new at this you know this whole being a mom thing so i go to this group it's called mops moms of preschoolers Mm -hmm. and it's a christian-based program i highly recommend it for anybody that's a new mother i decided to connect in you get connected with other moms of preschoolers and they all um you know you you share stories with each other you 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 learn like what works for you works for you know mm-hmm. you basically you find someone that's been there before you they they have mentors there it's all christian based so i decided that i wanted to go to the mom's mops group i wanted to to uh sit at a table with a whole bunch of other moms god put me put this woman in front of me she was checking her kid in and i thought i didn't think she was a mops mom because she did not fit the stereotype of a 25 to 30 year old soccer mom so god told me to talk to her i thought this woman has nothing to talk to me about we have nothing in common because she's not a mops mom and I'm here for mops, and I'm here to eat, meet other mothers, because God told me to switch. That was the other thing. I used to go to mops at Real Life, and God told me to go to mops at First United Methodist Church on Mondays. I was hemming and hauling. I didn't want to go to the, I didn't want to switch moms, mops groups, so I switched groups. I knew God want, was putting someone there for me. I was expectant of it mm-hmm. if that makes sense oh, it does. so when i showed up i'm like expecting to meet whoever god's trying to put in my life and every time this woman the same woman is there i keep thinking she's not she's not the one that i'm supposed to talk to because she doesn't she's not the 25 to 30 year old mops mom that i'm she wasn't what i was expecting at all when i show up they're like okay do you know anybody here? Do you, is anyone familiar to you? And I said, oh yeah, I recognize her over there. I want to sit at her table. And they're like, oh, her table is full. You can't sit at her table. You can sit at the silver table. And I'm like, 
the silver table. Yeah, you can sit at the silver table. There's there's plenty of seats there. And I'm thinking, I don't want I don't want it there to be plenty of seats. I want there to be a seat filled because I'm supposed to meet these other moms and I'm supposed to meet someone. There's not you know, there's not supposed to be empty seats at the seat at the table that I'm supposed to sit at. That's what I'm thinking. I go sit at the silver table and lo and behold, it's the same woman that was checking her kid in when I was checking my kid in, the only other mother that was there checking her kid in when I was checking my kid in. And it's that woman who's 40-something like me, not 20 or 30-something like all the other Mops moms. And she's the one that God told you to talk to. She's the one that God told me to talk to. She's the one that it turned out. God told me to talk to her, and before we left, She's the only person I exchanged phone numbers with. We exchanged phone numbers. We got back to our own homes. We got we connected on Facebook. And she said, um, why don't you come over for a play date? Or no, she didn't even say, why don't you come over for a play date? She said, why don't we get together for a play date? And so I said, okay, where do you want to meet? And we were supposed to meet up at this one place and then that didn't happen so then she said why don't we meet at my place and I'm like okay we'll go to your place so we met up at her place I didn't realize that she was she's legally blind we met at her place because she can't drive because she's legally blind and here she's got a master's degree in social work and the same people that I'm trying to get to pay for my law school paid for her master's degree in social work. And so that led us to sitting there yesterday for three hours mm -hmm. and me picking her brain and picking that gold mine and getting those pieces of gold nuggets to figure out how to pay for my law school. Isn't that funny, though, when God puts things together? It doesn't always come in the package or the wrapper that no, we are kind doesn't. of predisposition to believe it will. You know, I mean, she, like you said, she wasn't the average stereotype of a mop's mom. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, she was like... Well, she was the last person, she thought. Yeah, last person, and what would this lady have to offer me? Mm -hmm. and that's what I kept saying. What does she have to offer me? Come on, God. I don't have time. I don't have time for this or that because... I'm here on this mission you put me on. I don't have time to converse with this woman because I'm here for that mission you put me on. And yet she was she was the one I was on the mission to speak with, and yet I had no idea. Kind of reminds me of the woman at the well, and he says to her, the person you speak of, I am he. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Oh, that gives me chills, man. <laughs> <laughs> you have... You got such a fascinating story, Trish. I, I, I hate to interrupt in you. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> continue on. That's okay. You're blessing me. Have you heard that song by Mercy Me called You Are I Am? Oh, yes. yes. That was the song that I heard when I was in the car when I had the postpartum depression and the light switch came on. It was that song. The lyrics are, I've been the one to shake in fear. I wonder if you're even here. I've been the one to doubt your love. I told myself you're not enough. I've been the one to try and say 
I'll overcome with all my strength. I've been the one to fall apart and start to question who you are. And I had doubted that God existed and that if he did, that I wasn't worthy of his time. I thought I could pull myself out of the postpartum depression on my own strength alone. And so when I heard that song, I was weeping and I was falling apart. As I was falling apart, I questioned if there was a God, why would I be in so much pain and have so much anguish? And the song goes, I've been the one held down in chains beneath the weight of my own shame. I've been the one to believe, to believe that where you are, I cannot reach. And I felt like where I was in this pit of hell, in my depression, that God couldn't reach me even if I wanted him to, and that I definitely felt literally weighed down by the chains. And now that I live in the spirit, with the spirit inside, and now that I've pulled through the depression, I live with the spirit inside of me. And I wept in my car. And I couldn't drive when I heard that song and I realized how depressed I had been and for so long, for three years and two months. I'm so glad to be through all of that. I still am scared sometimes of it coming back. What if all of a sudden it comes back? What if, you know, the depression comes back? Like, what if I wake up tomorrow and I have that depression back? But God always tells me, you know, I'm faithful, I'm faithful. I'll be there for you. Well, I think the devil would always like to yeah, put that bug in your words, ear, you know. Yeah. Um, Anything comes negative, it's coming from Satan. Yeah, absolutely. Just flick him off your shoulder. That's <laughs> what we do. Sometimes you got to actually go through the motion of yeah. of doing it, but that's what we do, you know, because he'll feed you that garbage, mm-hmm. that condemnation, any, any crack or open window of opportunity that he has to bring up your past or remind you of something in your past he will Mm -hmm. yeah that's one thing that i'm learning is to to know the difference this is this sounds crazy but to know the difference of the voices that you hear in your head which ones of the enemy and which ones of god which ones light and truth that's still like something that i'm distinguishing Mm -hmm. but most most likely as i said if it's a negative and it's not anything to do with positive or Bible-based or anything like that, then it's Satan. But sometimes you don't realize that it's negative. You don't even realize it when you're hearing it. I think, though, at times you get a check in your spirit. Yeah. Maybe not right away. At some point, you know, you get a check to go, mm I don't know. And if you have to yeah. question it yeah. if you have to 10 question out of 10 it. times, mm-hmm. it's usually turn the, enemy. the opposite way and run. Yeah, turn just, and run. Just, yeah, give him a little flick. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for your testimony, oh, Trish. Oh, man, what a great testimony. What an awesome song. Thank yeah. you. I love what that way song. To wrap that up. Yeah, I still hear that song. I still hear that song playing. Can I ask you, though, through the three-year depression, mm-hmm. how did that affect your things at home? I mean, like marriage, wow, things like that. I mean, you had to go there, didn't you? I had to go there. That's what we do. That's how we roll here. That's how we roll here. And and you know, Trish, it's fine if you really, if you don't want to talk about it. That's fine. No, we. It was hard. We ended up going to marriage counseling. It was very hard on my marriage. Very hard on my marriage. I just felt like there was somebody out there that probably was asking. As it was hard on your marriage then, how was your marriage now? Now, my husband's very supportive. 
um, we we went through marriage counseling and we went through pastoral counseling through the church and you know basically we're both two people that want to be married and we're both two people that don't believe in divorce and so our marriage is strengthened from it from that experience mm -hmm. that's what i was looking for yep that's the answer we were looking for mm -hmm. that's fantastic yes it is yep Session 23, Three Mikey. is done. Yep. What a great one it was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we want to hear from you. We do. Because if uh, Trisha's testimony touched you in any way, shape, or form, please get in touch with us at GodStoriesRadio at Gmail. Um, look Give us it. up on Twitter, GodStoriesRadio. And we're still looking for testimonies as well. Looking for testimonies. If you are not comfortable on a microphone, or if you want to call in on Skype, we can do that. If you just want to send a written testimony into us, and we'll read it. Uh, you can send that to God Stories Radio, 1970 South Highway 27, Claremont, Florida, 34711, or God Stories Radio at Gmail. You can attach you it and go. send it through Don't the forget email. Claremont, C-L-E-R-M-O-N-T, because C -L people like to misspell right, that. Trish, thank you <laughs> very much. C-L-E-R-M-O-N-T, not Claire, Claremont, because that's in California. All well, right. Trish, thanks for coming by. Thanks for having me. Thank you for your testimony. And uh, we're really hoping to have her legally blind friend on the show here shortly. Yeah, I hope she'll say yes. yes. Okay, sure. Maybe She's She is a spirit-filled woman. She is awesome. Okay. That would be great. That would kind of solidify your portion of your testimony as well. And I just can't wait to hear from her. Well, that wraps it up for Session 23. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. God bless. God bless. You're tuned into the God Stories Radio Podcast www.godstoriesradio.com